Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Wigan Warriors podcast. I'm Joe Mills and with me as always is my co-host Alistair Hancock. Thanks Joe. Each episode we discuss a different topic to give you an insight to what it's like to be part of the Wigan Warriors club and after, after such an unpredictable year uh, for the past year for Brad Singleton we speak to the Wigan Warriors forward today. We do indeed and uh, we'll also get an insight into what it's like to win the Challenge Cup ahead of Friday's third round tie in York. And we'll catch up with the head of Community Foundation, Martin McLaughlin, and we'll talk about the return of the amateur game. And we'll also put your listener questions to Brad. So, Brad, welcome to the Wigan Warriors podcast. First Thank of all, you, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, in terms of settling well to the new season, you know, two games already so far, how do you think you've settled in to the new season? Um, yeah, I don't think we're, we're firing yet, but you can't beat two wins out of two games. Um, we're building, and uh, the second half against Wakefield showing glimpses of where we want to be. But um, obviously, it's a it's a process, and it's a, it's a long season. I mean, also, I mean, you said that the two wins, absolutely. First first week was a bit of a struggle. I think that was always going to be the case. I mean, you, ne- you never know what's going to happen the first week of a season, particularly when you've got a, a new team that's come up as well, and it happened to be Lee. You know, they came out the blocks flying as we knew they would. It took us a bit of time to get our act together, but we did in the end. And like you said, second half against Wakefield, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. And it seems that, again, we've got that, that real knack of, of grinding teams down and wearing them out, and then we put our foot on the, on the pedal. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you're right there. Um, I think with that first game, I think credit to Lee, they, they came firing. They looked mm. fit, they looked strong. And I think with these with these new rule changes where where you're giving them the six again or a yeah. penalty and there's no scrums and stuff, you you lose a lot of momentum. So if you start slow now, it's it's a lot bigger mm. than than normal. Um, and and <laughs> unlucky for us, mm. we've we've done it twice. We've done it to against Lee and then we've done it to Wakefield. But credit to um, the the quality of the of the team, we've um, managed to pull it back. Yeah, it's not been easy, has it? And and, and now it's been exactly. Uh, a year since you were told by Toronto that you were going to be let go by them. Now, obviously, what followed was the club's demise and, and their removal from Super League. I mean, how did you feel at the time? I mean, you know, that, that's your job, the sport that you love, and, and having that taken away from you, really. Um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, this, because when you write it on paper, it was quite um, damning and um, it's quite a, a major issue. I don't know if... I, the, I got financial security basically through um, my mum and dad lent us some money and uh, my partner's mum and dad also lent us some money. So they they took that strain away straight away as mm. soon as um, my savings ran out. But reg- like, regardless of that, I just felt like just the only thing I can do is stay positive here. Mm. Um, for me and the, my family, I have two two children and my partner doesn't work. So I just thought the only ca- case is just to... To, to get back playing and get get a team and and mm. to do that you have to break it down and do small small steps and me just training and going to the gym and being in good nick to get ready to get signed was the, the only process I I could do. Mm. You speak about you know the immediate uh, well in terms of the support that you got from from your family. Were there any worries immediately after you were let go by Toronto that you know immediate worries about the future what could hold about you, you and your family and you know get a mortgage to pay as well were there any worries about that immediately um yeah so so i had i had some some savings and um i think the the way it went when we got told we were going to get paid i think the whole world went into this um it was a bit obscene mm. that the the pandemic and stuff like this so i just felt like i was caught in that so so the neighbors that are not working the 
your family's not working, mm. people are losing the jobs all over. Mm. And I thought like, ev everyone's got the struggles here. So, so for me, like, like I said, I just pulled it back in, what can, what can I control? And that was just me and my family and, and how, we, how we can get through it. Mm. And for that, like I said, was me trying to, trying to get another club and doing the best I can do that. But like I said, I think to remain positive is absolute key because I think I could have easily flown the white flag there. Uh, but what the help would that do? Mm -hmm. I mean, did you obviously did you say yourself there your thoughts of maybe like walking away from it? You know, um, did you have any idea about what if that was the case, what you might do? And obviously, given the fact, I mean, it, as a professional athlete, it's not the longest career. Have you given any thoughts about as to my, what you what you'd like to do when you finish playing? Um, no, I I got it in my head early that like. My, I, I honestly believed, and I, rightly or wrongly, I said I, I was going to. I told my partner, I told anyone in my close circle, I'm going to be playing Super League this year. Mm. They might have thought I was being a bit um, stupid or silly, or in the fact that I, I was coming back from a knee up and I had, I had no club, I had no income. But mm. I said, no, I, I, I believe in, in what I can do and, and what I can offer. And the foundations that Toronto built, albeit we didn't go too well. I felt like I was ready to give it a good year, mm. um, and I didn't give up on that. And um, I never, never stopped believing that 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 had happened. Um, and for when I finish rugby, I, I don't know where that'll take me. I think I, the more I'm in the sport, mm. the more I like the the other side rather than I'll, I love the on-field stuff. But I'm all taking interest in how the coaches deliver messages, how how things get done. I right. love seeing players. Um, pick up form and, mm. and gain confidence and stuff like that. And um, I, don't, I don't know, the more I'm in it, the more I feel like I want to stay in it. Mm. Of course, you know, it was Wigan who gave you that opportunity to come back, you know, to the game, to, to play Super League again. Um, can you explain the process of how that came about? Uh, yeah, so ob obviously when, when <laughs> Toronto went um, out of the league, we, we got permission. Albeit, I think we'd have it anyway because they were they weren't paying us. Yeah. But um, we got permission to um, talk to other clubs, and it was probably there was a, there was a process there, probably quite a delicate one, really, because um, and I needed the right environment for myself, and and obviously the right place for me and my family, and so that's not always on about money, and it's it's more about I wanted to go to go to a club which believed in me as much as I believed in myself, mm. and. Um, I spoke, spoke to a few coaches, a few um, a few teams, but the the main one was well, the first one was um, Matty Pete. Yeah, he, he's got ties with my my agent, and um, we spoke. We spoke for about half an hour, really, um, and we we basically decided like when you come to a, I think each player and a coach for, to get the best out of both, you need a common goal, and and we spoke for a while, and, and we both had that. We, he wanted the the game I wanted, and. And we both believed we can we could achieve it, and that that helped me um, choose choose Wigan. I think when well, obviously when you signed for Wigan, I think Chris Olinsky who said it was you were a Wigan style of player. What what do you think he, he meant by that? I, I thought about this. Um, <laughs> I think what it is I think it's I see the game similar to how Wigan wants to play the game and see the game. I think uh, even the fans when you when you go around, I'm, I'm on because we can't really get out with the lockdown, but I'm on dog walks and whatnot, and I'm mm. speaking to fans, and, and they, they see the same sort of game as me, and that's, who's, who's to say what's right and wrong, but they, they do like enjoy the, the the aggressive side of it, the powerful side of it, and 
like when I'm thinking of a good game, I'm thinking of high collisions or some, something like that. Mm. When other clubs might be thinking fancy football and stuff mm. like that. And I believe Wigan sway more towards <clears throat> the way I see it. So that's maybe what Redlinski sees. <laughs> <laughs> now, you played in some big games at the, at the back end of last season, including uh, the Huddersfield win, which always win the league leader's shield, uh, and the grand final as well. Um, how do you reflect on those games and, and do you feel it was beneficial uh, coming in early and playing those games as, a, as opposed to starting a new club in a, in a pre-season? Because I, I mean I said a lot in commentary last year that you, you, it almost like you just came in out of nowhere and you just hit the ground running straight away. It was great. Um, yeah, it was, it was incredible really for mm. the, the journey I went on um, to go from no game to, to in, thrown in. Um, I remember my debut against Warrington. Um, coming off the bench and we had all the, the new rules then so I was just mm. like Jesus this has gone fast here <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I wasn't I don't know because cause I think what I've went through with losing the job to, to a degree and having no club I was just on this path of like determination like mm. where I didn't let like it wasn't a relief or anything with the, the with the debut it was like what's next mm. what's next what's next and it, and it carried on going that yeah the feeling Till it got after the grand final, and albeit we didn't win, it just felt like a you know we can rest here because because mm. the way and the intensity they played, it, it was incredible. Like you go to say the the Huddersfield game, but I don't feel like even though we won it there, I don't mm. feel like we won the league leaders there. It was the weekend before, uh, I think it was the weekend before the St Helens derby mm. where we had to beat them yeah. to to make sure we can have a chance at um, the league leaders and I felt. That sort of game, it's up there now with one of my fav favourite games because mm. just the level of intensity it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so for me. It was like a great six, seven week. Mm. I mean, those games at you know the end of the, at the end of last year, the impact that you made saw you be rewarded with uh, the number eight jersey for this year. Um, and obviously, you, you mentioned before about the fans, you know, being becoming like a fan favourite as well. How how do you think you've settled into the club now? Do you feel like you would you call this home? Do you think? Yeah, I'd call it home. I, I, I live not too far by. I think the, the area is lovely. I think, I think the team um, go back to the starting up early last year. That, mm. That's why I said this is a, the start of my three-year deal, and I want to earn the lads' trust. And I, and I hope in, in them seven weeks I did that. Mm. But that's you can't get complacent, really. You're you're at a massive club like Wigan. Um, in, in teams like this, the the shirt wears wears a little bit more. Um, so you, you need to be consistent throughout. Um, it's humbling that they gave me the eight, but I would have wore any number. I wore the thirty-eight last year, and I love that. Mm. Um, and I, and I think this this side's great. I think all the lads are incredible. I think you've got youth, which it's it's so hungry, and yeah. um, I think that's what good teams are built on the the hunger of the youth. And you've, they're adding players, Batty's back, and field and, and the, the going places so for me I'm just really grateful being here. Mm. I mean like you said I mean, you, you, this is your like your, if you like your your first full season if you like even pre-season under your belt uh, what are your goals for this season obviously I think we want to try and go once we got so close didn't we <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean obviously I just want to think what, what, your, what your goals are for this season after last year. Um, it was like as a whole, I think you you need to improve on last year, and the only way to do that is um, to to go get that ring. But mm. um, on a personal level, it's just just enjoy the ride for one, because mm. I know how quick it can get took off you. 
But secondly, just be consistent throughout the full year. Be consistent and 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 play well. Mm. Encourage teammates and and just see if we can get to a place where where we were better than last year and, and see what we can do at the business end. Mm. Just finally on on this point. Now things are you know sorted out. You've got a club in Wigan. You settled in Wigan. You call this home. Just back to the uh, the Toronto situation. Do you hold any grudges? Do you blame anyone for what happened with Toronto? <laughs> Good. It's quite a big topic, this, because of all the expansion and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, I'm all for expansion, and I, and I know there's a there's an American league just been released, and mm. I'm I'm all for that. <clears throat> what what let Toronto down was the the guy David Argyle. He he obviously owned owned the club, and, and he did so well, and he put loads of his own money in, and that, that's great. But there's a certain sense of well, there's certain responsibility when you have a team mm. that you can't, you can't stop paying them. Mm. So, so for me, the, the blame probably does lie with David Argyle. That's not to say his idea is wrong. I, I feel like for rugby league, the only way is to, to expand, especially into these nations where, where high impact sports are, are a thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd probably put a bit of blame on him. It's a shame because it was really popular out there, wasn't it? I mean, they got a good fan base and everything and when you watched it on the TV it seemed that the the Canadian fans really got into it, bought into it big time. Yeah, uh, I can't speak uh, on my behalf, I've never been to Toronto, <laughs> no. one of the only players, <laughs> I only saw Rochdale. But, uh, yeah, uh, from, what, from all of what the lads say, they, they absolutely loved it, like they, it was proper, exactly what you see in them, all them films and all them American football documentaries, it was just like that, they had all the megaphones out, the flares, mm. and the, the way they described it was unreal, and mm. it'd be a shame for it to stop. So, so hearing that news where they, they've pushed on for that North, Northern American side uh, league, it'd be great. Brilliant, interesting insight. Uh, so thank you, Brad, for that. Shortly we'll chat uh, further with Brad uh, ahead of Friday's uh, Challenge Cup uh, tie against York City Knights and also look at back at his nine years at Leeds Rhinos. Yeah, but first, after months away, Community Rugby League returned last week as the easing of COVID-19 restrictions allowed outdoor activities to take place. We caught up with the head of community, Martin McLaughlin, this week to find out what the Community Foundation is doing to kickstart Rugby League back into the local community. Martin, thank you for, for joining us. Um, it's obviously been a tough time for the Community Foundation throughout lockdown. You know, it's been difficult to, to provide coaching and, and you know sessions that you usually do. Yeah. How have you coped with lockdown? What what have you provided for the Community Foundation? Yeah, I'm a big believer that you need to, to stick together through the bad times and then celebrate the good. Um, we've tried to embrace the challenges and difficulties faced um, head on. Um, I think it's it's part of this club's DNA. Um, and the people that work here, that it's not not in our not in our nature to kind of sit back. Um, so, if you want me to talk about in, like individual projects that have that have worked really well, we uh, delivered as part of the club and community strategy um, Warriors Unite. Um, so that was about all areas of the business, all areas of the club coming together to deliver um, a virtual and dig digital project uh, for the community. What were the benefits of that, you know, working remotely, working online virtually, what, what are the benefits of, of doing that? Well, um, I think that from a club point of view, it, it, 
it allowed us to engage with um, people um, in, in wider, wider areas of the, of the UK. So local heart, um, national heartbeat. So we, one, one of the programmes that we delivered was um, Winter Warrior. Um, and we delivered that virtually for children aged between five and 16. And we had over 500 children um, attend virtually on each session. And again, it covered over 100 community clubs from all areas of the UK. So we had teams in London, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, um, all represented on those sessions. Is it fair to say that, you know, even throughout lockdown, you know, a difficult time for everyone, but has this kind of benefited the Community Foundation in terms of hitting those people that you might not usually hit on, on a normal Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say so, Alistair, yeah. Um, I think it's allowed us to turn doubters into believers. So from a reach point of view, um, anybody can log into their iPad or the phone or the laptop to access what we deliver um, when it's not a physical session. So like I said, so we've had people from all over, all, all over the UK join up to our sessions. Um, we delivered around 25 virtual sessions a week as part of Warriors Unite, and it covered, um, it was as inclusive as possible, it covered all areas. So we, we ran sessions for um, people with dementia, we ran meditation, yoga, um, school sessions for Key Stage 1 and 2, um, which were curriculum based. Um, we delivered fitness and physical fitness sessions in the morning, wake up, shake up. Um, and I think we're pretty lucky because of the team that we've got and the wide range of skills that, and, and um, wide, wide range of skills that they've got that we were able to cover a, a wide variety of areas. And just to add to, you know, the Warriors Unite programme, we saw first team, women's players and academy players as well getting involved. How great was it to see, to see those players getting involved? Oh, fantastic. I think that's one of our strengths as a club, that um, the accessibility that we have to first team players big name, brand name players um, getting involved uh, at a local level. Um, so when we were running some of our sessions um, and when you can advertise that someone like a Jackson Hastings or a Sean Lachlan or Sam Powell or Liam Farrell etc etc the list goes on um, we're going to be attending those sessions it, it, it does give the programme a real boost and um, we've also had the women's team and the academy players involved in the programme which again is good experience for them um, showing their skills and putting them in awkward situations uh, preparing them for what it's like to be, be in front of the camera and under the spotlight I think it's good for them but it's also fantastic for us to have those kind of stars of the future um, involved in our programmes The recent uh, easing of national restrictions last week saw the return of uh, Community Rugby League how great was it to see, you know, to see that back and what does that mean for the Community Foundation? Oh, I think everyone, it was, it was, oh, it's a welcome relief for, for everybody and not just the foundation, for the, for the club as a whole um, I think we've got an opportunity now um, to, to make a real difference um, in the community. I, I think that if we can build on um, some of the programmes and some of the delivery that we've already, that we've already done and what's already been taking place, um, we can make a real impact into some of, uh, as you know in Wigan, there's some of the most deprived areas, um, in, in not only, not only in, um, in, the north, in the North West but in, in the UK. What can, um, just finally, what, what can community clubs, fans and, you know, mad, mad rugby kids uh, expect from Community Foundation in the coming months? Oh, we're, we're, as you know, we're always busy. We've got, we've got a lot planned. 
um, alongside our, our, our usual education, uh, rugby development, health and wellbeing delivery, um, we're launching a new national camp programme, so holiday camps, um, which will be delivered um, not only within the borough but, but nationally. Um, we've linked up with Wigan Council um, to deliver a fit and fed programme. Um, again, that's across um, the, the Wigan borough, so you might have seen um, it's, it's quite topical with the Marcus, Marcus Rashford, he's been a really big advocate for it and promoting it, so um, we're, we're supporting that. Um, we're delivering or we're launching a new education programme, Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 in the primary schools, um, which will be curriculum based, um, but also have that sporting element, element to it. Um, we've received funding from uh, the Rugby League World Cup to launch our very own Wigan Warriors wheelchair team. So um, keep, keep posted for that. Um, I also think it's just an opportunity for us to celebrate our Wiganness. Um, I think we're, 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 we're very unique in um, what we deliver. And I think we're also very ambitious and we want to be the, the number one foundation, um, not just within Super League, but, but within all sporting organisations. And uh, I think that's something that we share, um, not only as a club, but as, as a community foundation as well. So Brad, as we know, it's uh, Challenge Cup this week. Um, we first championship side York City Knights in the third round on Friday, and it's at their new stadium. Um, what are you expecting? Um, you're probably expecting a, a really high quality side. I think mm. it's it's well coached. I think they've signed incredibly well. And you're looking at a club on the rise. Mm. We won about expansion in, um, just before with the Toronto. Well, there's no better expansion than going to a city, one of the biggest cities in, in the UK. And um, it looks like it's taken off. So there's, I'm expecting a, quite a big game. Like you said, you know, there's some notable names in there. Adam Cuthbertson is one of those players. Um, do you feel like they can, you know, they can cause, we can't really take them lightly, can we? Can, can we you know, they can cause a lot of problems on, on Friday. Yeah, um, Cuthbert in particular, incredible player. He's, he's very unique. And if you, if you let him play, he'll be one of the best players on the park. Mm -hmm. um, but just in general, we've got Ryan Atkins, Chris Clarkson, Danny Washbrook. Like, the, the list will go on. Mm -hmm. I think they're a Super League standard side. So in a, in a cup where it's known for known for like shocks and I'm expecting the best best of York and that's one of the best if that if I'm saying they're a Super League standard side, I'm expecting a Super League game and I think it'll be a be a big game. It's good to see that like you say that the, 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 that part of the expansion that they've finally got a new stadium there, you know, and it is it is an area which has not really been tapped, the North Yorkshire area. Um, so hopefully, you know, they'll go from strength to strength and it's always good to see mm -hmm new stadia being built as well and people getting behind that. Uh, now we'll come on to your time at Leeds shortly, but you were part of the 2015 treble winning team, uh, which of course won the Challenge Cup. Can you explain what it's like to play at Wembley and actually win that trophy? Um, it's, I've, because I've went to Old Trafford to, uh, twice now, and yeah. I, I always say at the Wembley, there's a different feel to it. So mm. when people always compare, and I don't like to compare, they're completely different. and. I think Wembley's just got that more, I don't know, there's more of a story there. It's more historic. It feels yeah. like you've got the Jeru Jerusalem singing and and it was incredible. 
like just when you're in that tunnel and it, it goes back to when you when you're a kid just watching or remembering all them games mm -hmm. and um the game seemed to go really fast to be honest and then next minute you you're a winner mm -hmm. I, I managed to slip over there yeah get a try <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. for all 80 meters <laughs> but um yeah it, it was incredible we were in a very motivated side very driven and um, we were probably the favorites that day we um, against Hulkear, so I don't know. We we felt like, and we were on the on on the way for, for a treble. So for us, it was like, yep, we've got this one, mm. and we'll go again. So I don't I don't know how to put it. It's mm. just an incredible story and an incredible trophy. Mm. You know, we're gonna in the, in the most successful rugby league team in the Challenge Cup. Twenty thirteen was the last time that this club won won that cup, um, which is really hard to believe. Really, um, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, lads. <laughs> <laughs> where does um where does the cup sit on this club's priority list this season? Do you think? Um, I think quite high. I think this this group under Lamy, um, I think we need we need to start getting some silverware. Mm. Basically, to be a respected side, I think we need to win. Like like we go back to me signing for this club. Mm. I don't feel like I'll be respected from a personal point of view unless. I'm sat there with a Challenge Cup medal around my neck and a grand final ring on my finger. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it's massively high up. Um, it was nice, obviously, to get league leaders, but there's nothing like the Challenge Cup. Mm. And don't forget, of course, it's this Friday, quarter to eight kickoff. Um, Bilko and I will be bringing you live coverage of that, uh, the Listen Live, of course. You can just go to the club website, click on the link, and you can listen to that. Um, you can also see it for free on the Sportsman's website, Facebook and YouTube pages, okay? So uh, we'll be on air from about 7.35 for that, so just go to the club website. You know the drill by now, but you can also watch the game on YouTube. Uh, the channel is called The Sportsman, and uh, you'll be able to watch it for free there. Brilliant. Now, of course, next, next, uh, the next Super League game for Wigan is uh, Leeds away next Thursday. Um, let's just reflect on you know, your time at Leeds, nine years at the club. You were part of one of the most successful teams of this generation. Um, what do you think made that team so successful during that period? That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that side, I probably joined a journey where the majority of that team was maybe halfway through the journey. I might mm. start my journey, probably came into a, like I mentioned before, highly motivated side, highly driven, top quality, um, and then complemented with a coach who, who probably mentally was the most tuned in bloke and psychological, psychologically demanding mm. coach you could probably get. And, and I think it was the perfect ingredients to get the, the treble. Mm. How, how would you, would you, you know, is it, is it all good memories from your time at Leeds, would you say? Yeah, um, I, I owe a lot to them really. They, they brought me down at 16 years old from um, Sunny Barrow. <laughs> um, they, they gave me the, the start of in life from from boy to man really. Um, I still think about the personalities in that change room now, and I think each one gave me a different outlook on life. You've got the Jamie Jones Buchanan's, um, Jim Peacock, Kevin Sinfield, Rob Burrow. You've got Brian McDermott. Like if you if you broke it down and looked at each personality, it's, it's incredible. But they all had one thing in common, and that's wanting to win. And and um, and you're like a sponge at that age, so. So I probably blame them for how I think now. <laughs> the weird, I mean, you, 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 you mentioned uh, Rob there, and of course, it's been really sad what's what's happened to him over the last year or so. And 
and obviously we wish him all the best with his continued fight with that. I mean, um, what was your relationship like with Rob? I mean, do you, do you still speak to him now? Do you, do you check on him? He's getting on. Yeah, um, it's it's a terrible story, really. But I think people can get comfort from how much support he's got and mm. love and family. Um, he's got an incredible family in three children and Lindsay, the wife. Um, it, is, it was just a great bloke. Just funny and in the change room, he's just always up for a laugh. He, before you get in the change room, well, you walk through the door and he, he'd just go, um, here she is, like, it could be anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, always, yeah. he's, always, he's always on the front foot. And um, he's, he's a powerful bloke and w when you meet him, you'll, you'll never forget him. Um, I, I probably, on the on the away coach, I probably sat next to him for the, since 2012 till 2017. So mm. I knew all his little mannerisms. He, he was he was so funny. He was like basically addicted to Disney. He comes out with quotes all the time, <laughs> and he he's, he's a great bloke. I went to see him in, in January, and he's yeah. still higher spirits. We there's a few of us around, and like like I said, he's got loads of support. Um, and you, you can't speak a bad word for him. Mm. He, he was honestly in the change rooms. He was. I remember when I first came down. He, um, it, when I was 16, 17, he was on that. He went to a um, training. He took us to recovery, and he was just asking me how's the families, mm. slagging off Barra, and <laughs> and well, that's all he did on the yeah. on the away away trips. He just slagged him off, and um, he's he's high, high, in high spirits when I, when I seen him last, and Good. and he. He knows that he's got loads of support, um, and I hope at some point M and D come up, uh, association come up with some solution. Mm. Let's hope so. You mentioned the you know the changing room before, what he was like in the changing room. What did you learn off him in terms of you know when he was in that changing room as part of the team? What did you learn off him? How to insult people quicker. <laughs> <laughs> How to get the first dig in. <laughs> yeah. I don't, no, I don't know. He was not the type of boy that was too serious. No, no, mm. like. Some no, big characters yeah. in that dressing room, weren't they? Yeah. No, no doubt he he um, wanted to win and and was incredible on the field. And his, when he did speak with seriousness, it was it was great. But he was just so so lively. He'd just take the mick out of everyone before you like you even get a chance to sit down. <laughs> now um, after after the the game next week against Leeds, you auctioned in off your shirt. Is that right? You want to be doing that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know last year when I came in, I made made my debut. You just did a. Yeah. Rob Burrow um, round sort of thing, yeah. and I, and I've said if I, if it can generate something like that again, um, I, I don't know what, whether what's best the auction or a raffle. We said last time yeah, just yeah. to give opportunity. A few a few people said, um, and whatever generates the most um, a bigger appeal, really. Yeah. If we can get some money for MND and and open people's eyes to the, this awful condition. Mm. And just just touching, you know, back on, on on the Leeds the Leeds team he was part of. One of, another one of those teammates was Zach Hardacre, who of course you know you know teammates uh, teammates now with here at Wigan. Um, how would you describe your relationship with Zach? He's he's like a, he's he's a, a good mate, but like you could have borderline say like a brother, you know, like in the sense that we just he just. He's a good, just great fella. Like he's just, mm. he's another one. He's quite hyper and stuff, and you, yeah. you just think, I, I know what he's done before he's done it. Like whenever, whenever he says something, or I, I can imagine when he starts a story, I can, I can imagine finishing it with my own version yeah. of what he'll do. <laughs> yeah. um, so I know him quite well, and obviously he went away in 2000 and 
16 from uh, Leeds, yeah, 2016. So I've, I've missed him for four years, but it's not like nothing's changed. He's mm. just he's just older on paper and <laughs> <laughs> um, <I'm> bolder. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, he's honestly, I don't think he gets enough credit for how, how good of a player he is. I think people forget he was in arguably the best Super League side in, in um, Leeds. Um, the the cast side that battered the league mm. in 2017, and then he, he's in he's in this great side now. I think so. He's got three league leaders, and he's the common de denominator there. I think w when he when he's on, there's there's no better player potentially in the world in his position. Mm. Brilliant. There you go, Zach. I hope you're watching <laughs> and listening to this. You owe him 50 quid. <laughs> right, we reached out, as we always do, to our listeners, viewers on Instagram uh, to get some questions together to ask Brad this week. So what have we got, Alistair? Yes, yeah, so the first one is from Zach Ardacre. Uh, <laughs> oh, it, here we go. He, he asks, uh, who is the hardest Cumbrian? Mm. Whatever that means. Um, <laughs> Bored to see you. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, give a, I'll give a name. Um, when I, when I was a kid, I used to watch Barry Raiders, and it was um, so around 2006, 2007, 2008, and they were going into some like, a bit of glory days. They, they had um, a decent uh, owner who was um, spending quite a bit, so the, the side was romping the leagues, and there was a player there called Brett McDermott, um, and he, he played up the course as well in Whiteven and uh, Barry, and he was just incredible. Growing up, when, you, when you're so far out of the Super League sort of circle. Mm. It, that was your, your main rugby, so I ended up ball boy there and stuff. And, <clears throat> and this Brett McDermott was tough as out and <laughs> took every ball in. And I think he's, he had a few scuffles along the way. Um, and then he, he retired and took up um, MMA, so... Wow. I think I'm going to say he's the toughest Cumbrian. Yeah. Just quickly before, uh, on that, I mean, this is this is something that has has gone raged on for a long time now. The fact that I can't, I can't even remember the last time there was that there's not a Super League franchise in in, in your part of the world. It's a, it's it's a crime, surely. Yeah, it's um, getting the clubs to. That's the issue, isn't it's, it? Whether it, that's I don't know where I, where I stand on it. I, I obviously want a Super League uh, franchise up there. Yeah, um, I think it's crying out for it. I think. Yeah. I think if you go around the most schools and it, even up the coast further, so why even working, it's even more popular there. Mm. You, go, you go to the schools, they, they spot rugby before football, mm. and that's a massive achievement, especially in the northern hemisphere. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what the, the the answer is. I don't think anyone's come up with it. Do you merge working in Whiteven? I know they'll never do it, but do, do you force that hand, or do you put one a bit further out around around the lakes area and hope that in hope that Barrow and yeah. Working wave and lot come to it, yeah. or do you make Barrow on its own? Do you pump loads of money in there, mm. and, and you'll never find the right answer until someone tries it. Mm. Um, but it is a, it is a crime. You've got players coming out of um, Barrow. You've got Morgan Knowles. You have Benny Harrison, mm. myself. You got uh, A. Gardner, and, that, and that's just from Barrow, and, mm. and that's with no no path really. Mm. And just on that, you know, from that area, we've got a number of fans, winning fans from that area who support the club. Why do you think there's such a, you know, an attraction from Cum like from Cumbrians to, to support or even play for again in, in yourself as well? Um, I think you're close to Super League side, really. Mm -hmm. as, as weird <laughs> yeah. as that is yeah. for, ba for Barrow. Um, I don't know what the mileage is, but it's 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 a shame again for for Barrow fans having to mm. reach out. And I get the 
it'll go back to maybe when they were Lancastrian, if you ask them, because in the 1980s they were, they were from Lancashire and they might have, I don't know, saw a bit of a stronger tie, but it's it's just a shame that we have to ask that question because mm. the Barrow should have their own. They've got mm. it's a seventy thousand uh, populated, seventy thousand people are in in within the town. Mm. It'd be it's a crying shame that they haven't got their own Super League side. But to go back to that, yeah, they're all cut down the middle, so it's either Liverpool or Man U or Saints yeah. or Wigan. One or the other. The next question is from Thomas Faramund. Um What made you choose Wigan and not any other team last year? Yeah, I, I touched on it just before. I think um, I I was very cautious with where I went. I needed um, the coach because I, I didn't mention it before, but towards that back end of Leeds, we went um, went through. I think we went from Mac to get sacked, Kevin, Jimmy Laws in, Ferner, then Agar. There was four coaches there, and that's mm -hmm. four different philosophies. And um, for for me, I needed some stability. So leaving leaving Leeds, I, I, need, I looked for that in the sense I went back with Mac. So so to go then go from Mac, I needed someone on the same page as yeah. me really. And um, I um, Marty Peets was the first the first conversation which we we touched on before. But then Adrian Lamb was great, Rudlinski was great, and we all wanted the same thing from from each other. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, the final one from me uh, from Billy Mather. Um, who was your idol growing up? Growing up as a kid. Idol as a kid. That's a tough one. I don't know. I sported, <laughs> I sported uh, Liverpool for a bit, so, well, I still do. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you're a bit older, you've got a few bits on. <laughs> so I struggle to get behind them enough. But, um, yeah, you'd say, like, the, the Gerard, but, but I'd even go to say, that like, um, Brett McDermott, you know, watching mm. them. Yeah. Um, and then, if you look at the Super League, like Adrian Morley, one shot of watching his highlights. <laughs> um, and then even, even Barry Mack. Which was quite weird because he ended up being my head of youth at uh, Leeds. Brilliant. I'll never forget Adrian Morley. <laughs> I just still can't go that that ten second cameo he made <laughs> for Great Britain. Yeah. And he was pawing the ground on the touchline. You thought he's coming straight off as soon as he gets off. Uh, Joe Ash says, "How did you feel on your Wigan debut? I mean, that's always a, I mean, it's a standard question, but I mean, it's." Must have been an exciting time for you, particularly given what had just gone you've gone through with Toronto. Yeah, I think when um, I think we can do it right. The, there's a build up to it. There's mm. um, I know they usually get the family in, but we had a bit of a video and and um, they sp speak a lot and they, there's a shirt presentation and and it feels really prestigious and I, I feel like this club can can do that because I feel like it, it it's a massive club mm. and um, yeah it, it felt great just just to get that really mm. <laughs> and then. Um, to play, it was more like, you know, when, once you see your shirt and then, I'm a, a bit older now, so once once that was ticked off, so just something similar to that, I was like, oh, that's quite nice. But then it was like job in hand, like I had to nail that performance. And then after it, maybe it was like, wow, I've just played for Wigan there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mackenzie Page, now this is a good one. What's the hardest part of becoming a rugby player? I guess you've just got to keep at it, haven't you? Yeah, um, it depends. Becoming one, like, to stay at it maybe, to stay pro? To, well, I don't know, I mean, I, or is it, I guess, maybe um, it's hinting at, you know, how do you break into this, mm -hmm. this, this crazy <laughs> career? <laughs> yeah, probably the consistency between, consistency and discipline, hmm. and self-belief, I'd say. As you get older, I think that's massive. I don't hmm. think it gets touched on enough. I think you need self-belief. 
before before anything else really you have to believe it before you can achieve it mm -hmm. and i feel that when when you're a kid you you need to be disciplined you need to turn up to to every um, training session and every game so probably between 13 and 17 maybe you've got a chance to break into this rugby team so you need to be disciplined you need to be um you need to be lucky with injuries you can't yeah. get injured and then you need to be you need to believe in yourself and you just need to keep eye on the consistency i suppose it goes hand in hand with with also finding a good amateur club yeah. that will bring you along which one were you yeah at? mine was barrow island and it was right. it, it was fantastic There's some amazing amateur clubs up in that yeah. area aren't they? Um, it was full of um i was very lucky because all the coaches were ex-pro yeah. End up. I know a few lads I played with. It was it was their dads, but they were all ex-pro, like mm. Neil Shaw, Dean Marwood, and then some some great ones that committed to youth. Steve Jackson, Steve Oil, and John Jefferson runs the spot up there. And and there was loads of probably love there, you know. Mm. So I felt like I didn't ever think the rugby was a chore. No. Um, and a credit a credit to Barrow Island for yeah. I think that question's great. It could cover yeah. everything. Um, yeah. There's everything. There's all sorts of ingredients, but um, I'd say stay disciplined, committed, and believe in yourself. A little sprinkling of luck that that goes a long way <laughs> yeah. with everything, doesn't it? Uh, Lewis Stevenson, uh, what made you want to become a rugby player? I mean, that, I mean, you must get asked that a lot, but I mean, the players have different answers and things. Um, <clears throat> it probably, uh, I think, my dad took took um, me and my brothers down when we were young, uh -huh. um, and and from that, it's it's just a case of. Are they still enjoying it? Yeah, keep them going, and then, and then you realise the game's probably giving you, a, a, like a lot of enjoyment. So stick at mm. it. So from from that day when I realised that I really enjoyed it, mm. it probably dawned on me it wasn't really I was getting took anymore. I wanted to go, and yeah. then it was a case of I wanted to be a rugby player. Mm. Brilliant, perfect. Well, thank you for you know sending your questions, guys, um, and we'll be asking listeners for more in two weeks' time uh, for our next podcast. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, to Wigan Warriors social media channels. Yeah, you can also get in touch via email using the address podcast at wiganwarriors.com. So Brad, thank you for coming to join us today and of course thank you for listening. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>